Woman Kwan, Case 37, Zhao Zhou, The Oak Tree in the Courtyard. A monk asked Zhao Zhou, what is the meaning of Bodhidharma's coming from the West? Zhao Zhou said, the oak tree in the courtyard. Woman's comment, if you can see intimately into the essence of Zhao Zhou's response, there is no Shakyamuni in the past and no Maitreya in the future. Woman's verse. Words do not convey the fact. Language is not an expedient. Attached to words, your life is lost. Blocked by phrases, you are bewildered. Please sit comfortably. There are many Zen koans like this which are well known even by people who have never had any connection with Zen. Not only because they are often rather short and memorable, but sometimes because when you first encounter them, you know you understand them completely. Ah, wonderful. This is not to say that you could, heaven forbid, explain what they mean. And indeed, as soon as you try to tell yourself what you thought you knew, you'll very likely find it has evaporated completely. On the other hand, you may encounter such a koan, and if you don't understand a thing, completely baffled. Mm, That's good. Wonderful. Not a leg to stand on. Zhao Zhou was known for his grandmotherly or overly kindly style of teaching and is often one of the protagonists in such well-known koans. And while they may often be short exchanges, Zhao Zhou generously takes everything away in his answers. So who is Zhao Zhou? He lived from 778 to 897. And yes, for those of you who are great at mental arithmetic, that is indeed 120 years. For those of you who are even better at mental arithmetic, it's actually 119 years, but you're counted as one year old when you're uh, born in China. So he lived in what is now uh, modern Hezhou in Shandong province of China. And his first great awakening was at the age of 18 when he was a monk at Nanchuan's temple. We have an account of that awakening experience in case 19 of the Wuming Kwan. Zhao Zhou asked Nan Quan, What is the Tao? Nan Chuan said, Ordinary mind is the Tao. Zhao Zhou asked, Should I try to direct myself towards it? Nan Chuan said, If you try to direct yourself, you betray your own practice. Zhao Zhou asked, How can I know the Tao if I don't direct myself? Nan Chuan said, The Tao is not subject to knowing or not knowing. Knowing is delusion. Not knowing is blankness. 
If you truly reach the genuine Tao, you will find it vast and boundless as outer space. How can this be discussed at the level of affirmation and negation? With these words, Jojo had sudden realization. Uh, ordinary mind is the way. This was, and I, uh, you know, this had already. This was a teaching that came down already from Matsu, who was um, Jojo's grandfather in in the Dharma. So, you know, these teachings they are not belonging to one particular person. And Matsu taught this very mind is the way. That ordinary mind is the way. Um, and Matsu was a great. Um, uh, you know, a great grandfather of many people in the Tao um, at that time. And it was he who introduced the practice of Doksan, which we all now are familiar with if we um, practice uh, Zen. But um, there hadn't always been Doksan, it was Matsu's introduction. And when he was teaching, it was a very fertile time for Zen. Um, but it was also a time of extraordinary trouble and difficulty in China when. Um, I think it was Joan Sutherland Roshi who did some research on that period of China and found out that um, over a 10-year period around the middle of Matsu's teaching life, um, two out of three Chinese people died during the Civil War. Um, and it's... I just mention that because sometimes we think that our own times are difficult times, but... Uh, you know, all times are difficult times, yeah, and some more difficult in a widespread way than others. But this was a time when Zen practice really, really flourished too in these uh, hard times. Uh, I've already mentioned Jojo's grandmotherly, compassionate style of teaching, and. Uh, Really hearing all the other Khan stories in which we hear Jaujo's voice, what we hear is truly ordinary mind itself. Uh, not what we may commonly think of as ordinary mind, the endless chatter of thoughts and opinions of like and dislike that, um, if they go unnoticed, cloud the underlying clarity of mind that is always, always freely available. You know, truly ordinary mind. Um, perhaps this is one of the reasons why Zhao Zhou features so prominently in the best-known koan collections. Five koans in the Wumen Kuan, twelve in the Hekigonraku Blutcliffe record. <sighs> However, despite this early awakening, Zhao Zhou stayed with his teacher Nan Chuan for another 47 years until his teacher's death. And then he spent 20 years going from teacher to teacher, refining his practice, and theirs, no doubt, <laughs> until at the age of 80, he was invited to settle and teach at Kuan Yin Monastery in Jiaoxian in Hebei province. Uh, please... Uh, especially those of you who are younger in this group, do not be lulled by all this as I was hearing the story when I was in my 20s into a false sense of security. 
oh, I don't really need to worry about all this yet. I've got another hundred years to go. <laughs> I can assure you, time flies swifter than an arrow. I've already mentioned Zhao Zhou's prominence in Khan collections, and of course prominent not only numerically, but because the first case in the Wumen Quan and the first koan for countless Zen students the world over for centuries um, has been Zhao Zhou's dog. A monk asked Zhao Zhou, has a dog Buddha nature or not? Zhao Zhou answered, Mu. Mu, no, or does not have, apparently contradicting all Buddhist teaching that all beings by nature are Buddha. So, uh, this case is incomprehensible intellectually, uh, which makes it an absolutely perfect place to start. Nothing to get a grip on here. Yet, recently I was told by a student in uh, another Buddhist tradition that she didn't like Zen because you have to think when you are meditating. Uh, Try thinking about Mu and it doesn't take long to find yourself well and truly stuck. Uh, However, uh, it's not uncommon for people, even ones who should know better, to imagine that a koan is an intellectual puzzle to be solved. Uh, Certainly Zen often appeals to intellectuals and academics, possibly because it so ruthlessly challenges the hegemony of the intellect. While this can be source of intellectual fascination in itself, it leads only to delusion. The koan, this koan, which challenges us to enter the way by realising Mu, is not a puzzle to be figured out, but a barrier to which we can only find the key by letting go of thinking letting go of all our theories and opinions, and discovering for ourselves what remains, who we truly are. So Zhao Zhao is a major figure, one whose challenges we cannot evade. Yet, as I said, he's one of the grandmotherly figures of Zen, radiating compassion through his answers. Um, He's not of the school of so much of shouts and wax, who, oh, uh, I mean, wax in the sense of <laughs> wax, <laughs> as opposed to waxing lyrical, <laughs> um, uh, whose compassion takes a different form. Um, at the age of 60, when he took off on his 20 year pilgrimage, he announced that if he met a seven year old child who could teach him, he would listen. Um, He also said that if he met a hundred-year-old man who was not as good as himself, he would teach him. Uh, Talking of children, uh, Robert Aitken Roshi uh, told of a case uh, where Bai Zhang um, challenged his students, uh, one of his students, well, no, all of his students, don't call this a water bottle, what would you call it? Uh, In the end, one of the this, this was a challenge to see who was going to take over and be the head of the monastery and the, um, the, 
the person who, I was going to say the successful one, I'm not sure if it's the right word, but the one who ended up taking over the monastery uh, in this challenge, um, kicked over uh, the water bottle. Um, but when Rep. Aitken Roshi was giving a Taisho uh, on, on this in Maui, he, um, he described how he had asked his son Tom this question, what would you call it? And Tom said, that's a very difficult question. Um, but then one of the students who had listened to that Taisho went home and he asked his son. Um, and his son, uh, uh, he said, you know, who was called Nisha, who was aged five, he said, you know, uh, uh, if you could not call yourself Nisha, how would you call yourself? A tree, answered Nisha. <laughs> <laughs> He's better than Tom, I think, was Robert Aitken's, uh, Roshi's comment on that. Um, and yes, I think I agree, but I think it's a close tie with Amanda Bolita, <laughs> uh, who we heard about during the retreat this week, um, who was given a book by uh, Aitken Roshi, um, inscribed with Who Am I on the cover. And inside the book, Amanda immediately wrote, A book, a star. Anyway, not surprising that, uh, you know, Jiao Jiao said that if he met a seven-year-old child, he could teach him. Anyway, back to Jiao Jiao. This is not a mind that is rigid, but one that is open as wide as the sky, coming from a man who lived at a time when the old were revered and children were very low down the social pecking order. Something of this flexibility can be glimpsed in a dialogue between him and Nan Chuan. Nan Chuan said, People of this time must practice among different species. Zhao Zhou said, Not to speak of different, what do you mean by species? Nan Chuan got down on all fours. Zhao Zhou shoved him over with his foot. <laughs> Not a hair's breadth of difference. Zhao Zhou then went into the Nirvana Hall, the temple infirmary, and yelled, Sorry, sorry! Nan Chuan instructed his attendant to ask Zhao Zhou, What are you sorry about? Zhao Zhou said, I'm sorry I didn't kick him again. <laughs> His generosity is boundless. <laughs> this is light and playful, yet it points to the way our words create separation. It's ignorance of this separation that allows us to erect such apparently sturdy edifices, such habits of self to constantly shore up and embellish and make labels for different other species. Yet it is through words that we create our shared understandings of the world. That is the wall. This is the floor. The bus for Perth leaves at 9pm. Don't be confused about this. We need to talk. 
Antoine and Zhao Zhou talked. But speech is also a path to the separation that stops us from realising our interconnectedness, our interbeing, as Thich Nhat Hanh calls it. All beings by nature are Buddha. And yes, that includes whoever you thought might be an exception, someone of a different gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation. And if you have no problem with any of that, what about people with a different political persuasion, a different attitude to religious tolerance towards the wearing of the burqa, for example? Not to mention different species. Well, returning to the koan today, which is not only about encountering different species, but a different kingdom, six steps away from species. Uh, here we have a member of the plant kingdom. Um, but actually, we don't know for sure the phylum or the division, let alone the species, only that it was a particular tree. Uh, some translations, the one we use, uh, oak tree. In other translations, cypress. This is not crucial to the story. <laughs> a monk asked Zhao Zhou, what is the meaning of Bodhidharma's coming from the West? Uh, this question is, of course, asking, you know, <coughs> what can you teach me? What is Zen? What is the heart of this teaching? Teach it to me. Of course, the monk would have known about Bodhidharma's purported legacy, uh, a teaching outside the scriptures, not reliant upon words and letters, pointing directly to the heart-mind. Uh, Bodhidharma, according to the story, was 28th in a line stretching directly from Shakyamuni. Uh, and in that line of 28, each had received this oral Buddhist teaching that was separate from the sutras that were written down, um, direct person-to-person -person, uh, transmission of the teaching. Um, so here, is, uh, here he is, um, perhaps asking Zhao uh, Zhou to enlighten him. I had, a, I had a student once express disappointment when he asked me a question and my response did not produce the desired and he immediately achieved realisation. Well, for students of Zhao Zhou, this was often the case too. Uh, there is nothing in this or any of the other longer versions of this story uh, to suggest that the unnamed monk was instantly enlightened. Uh, yet this koan has a powerful resonance for many of us today pointing as it does to the intimate connection with, well, even to call it a connection with is to create distance and separation, pointing to the intimacy of oak tree in the garden. We are not separate. And yet, we are at a point where the damage um, we are inflicting on this planet uh, is all too evident uh, and I was listening to a talk by my friend and fellow teacher who is in session herself at the moment and unable to be here 
today, Susan Murphy Roshi. Um, it's the wonders of the internet when I can hear an in, a talk on the ABC in, in Jakarta. And she spoke about, um, when she was speaking about uh, these issues of our interconnectedness and, and how we respond to that in a practical level through her book, Minding the Earth, Mending the World. Um, she spoke several times of facts that are, in her words, what any child knows, or, to put it another way, blindingly obvious. Um, but that so many um, of our leaders appear not to know or more correctly to ignore, such as that if we keep on using everything up on the finite planet, it will run out just as if we share out some sweets with our friends and eat them up, then they're gone. Uh, a child knows that if we pee in the bath and wash our dog in it, we can no longer drink the water. Similarly, if we pollute our rivers and aquifers, yeah. cause, cause and effect. Yeah. Uh, yet, when Zhao Zhao answered oak tree in the garden, he was not arguing for what we now call the environment. He was simply answering the question directly. It's important not to get caught up in some notion of a particular ideological message in any in this koan or any other koan for that matter, as soon as you do that, you're ensnared again by like and dislike, by opinions that cloud ordinary mind. Yet, at the same time, you know, intimacy is intimate and it has consequences and don't doubt it. Intimacy, realisation, whatever you choose to call it, does change how we interrelate with other beings, sentient and otherwise. Mm. I'd like to... Um, yeah, Arthur... Um, Arthur spoke recently at the session we were at about um, different kinds of knowledge that he had been involved with in his working life, uh, starting with head knowledge... Uh, which he used to teach as a university context, down to heart knowledge in his social work, and now to his current job, which deals with the belly. <laughs> uh, and as he said, there are, uh, the belly has no words for expressing itself. The belly is somewhat inarticulate. So uh, we rely, well, we struggle in Zen to articulate it and... Uh, sometimes rely on poetry, too, to touch, touch this place of belly knowledge. And I'd like now to just um, read uh, something from um, Bill Nietzsche's uh, Gagaju Man. Um, Bill Nietzsche uh, passed away now, but um, uh, the last speaker of the Gagaju language, Gagaju, which we know as Kakadu, you know, uh, that area of the Northern Territory. Mm which was his country. I love it tree because he loved me too. He watching me same as you. Tree, he working with your body, my body. He working with us. That tree, grass, 
that all like our Father. Dirt, earth. I sleep with this earth. Grass, just like your brother. In my blood, in my arm, this grass. This dirt for us, because we'll be dead. We'll be going this earth. This the story now. That tree now feeling ye blow. Sit quiet, you speaking. That tree now, he speak. That wind, he blow. He can listen. I'm telling you this because the land for us never change round, never change. Places for us, earth for us, star, moon, tree, animal. No matter what sort of an animal, bird or snake, all that animal, same like us, our friend that. This story you can listen careful and how you want to feel on your feeling. This story, e coming through your body, e go right down, foot and head, fingernail and blood, through the heart. And he can feel it because he'll come right through. When you sleep, you might dream something. You know, it would be hard to clear fell an old forest. you had related to a tree like that. In Hakuin Zenji's Song of Zazen that we uh, chanted during session, we find the verse, offerings, precepts, parameters, nembutsu, atonement, training, the many other virtues all rise within Zazen the Buddhist precepts and other guidelines about how to treat ourselves and others are not rules so much as the way things are when we pay attention and act accordingly. We just need to realise this. In another version of the koan, the dialogue goes like this. The monk said, Please don't teach me with reference to outside things. Jojo said, I don't teach you with reference to outside things. The monk said, What is the meaning of Bodhidharma's coming from the West? Jojo said, The oak tree in the garden. Here we can see that Jojo's response to this question was prompted by a question referring to outside and inside things. We've all heard, haven't we, that we should not look outside for answers, that we are already by nature Buddha and that we have everything we need within. 
Yet this answer seems to be referring to something we tend to think of as outside. What is inside? What is outside? No wonder this koan is one that continued to prompt discussion among monks at the time, as can be seen in the continuation of this story. Perhaps some of them, perhaps some of you may have expected an answer to the question, what is the meaning of Bodhidharma's coming from the West? To be like... uh, to save all beings or to relieve suffering. And you've got oak tree in the garden, thoroughly cheated. Later, Fayan asked Wei Zhao, I heard that your late master has a saying, the oak tree in the courtyard. Is that correct? Wei Zhao said, no. Fayan said, Anyone who's been around will say that a monk asked him about Bodhidharma coming from the West and he answered the oak tree in the courtyard. How can you maintain that he didn't say it? Wee Chow said, he really didn't say that. Please don't slander him. Wee Chow had been Zhao Zhou's attendant, so he's very close to Zhao Zhou and a senior student of the way. He'd certainly been around in Fayan's words. There are always admonitions about not repeating what a teacher has said in Doksan, with the explanation that what is suitable for one student may not be suitable for another, or, or not at that particular time. Um, but the point here is not to try to interpret or analyse Sui Chao here, but simply to get the simple essence of his words. He really didn't say that. Please don't slander him. I was sitting with this koan and there was a program on television on a program on TV in Jakarta on the uh, now defunct Australian network about the Gularabulu people and their fight to protect a song line um, over their land which is in Western Australia um, threatened by a huge yeah, mining development and in that program um, an old man, uh, it showed a film of an old man who's now passed away, who spoke of the song in every little creature, in the pelicans and in Ratty Ratty. And I was reminded again so vividly of the way that people who were in this reputedly unsettled country, and it was just around the time when all over the world we were hearing that uh, Australia was an unsettled country previously Um, but at that time you know uh, the people who were here were so deeply settled here aware of the song in every little creature every tree every blade of grass every breath of wind in the earth itself settled you know as settled is a kind of a seat uh, the old English uh, meaning of settle or the word it's derived from means cause to sit in a place and uh, in the Aboriginal uh, creoles that I 
uh, worked with for a long time. The word jidam, from English, sit down, uh, but meaning stay, live in a place, mirrors words in many Aboriginal, ancestral Aboriginal languages, where living in a place is sitting in that place. Similarly, in Indonesian, the word for inhabitant, penduduk, is a person who sits, who inhabits the place, is to sit in the place. Duduk is the word for to sit, the verb for sit. So, uh, settling, sitting, uh, part of body knowledge, belly knowledge, to be settled, to sit in a place, to really be there. And how unsettled many of us are now when we cannot hear that song because of the racket of thoughts and opinions, the self-referential clutter that blocks out the song, the song of the way, which is available to us. Yep, even in the middle of the biggest cities, as well as for monks and others alone in their rustic cottages. No excuse to think you need to be somewhere else. The song never ceases. How sad not to hear it. How easy just to stop, to listen, just for a moment. Uh, Flora Curtois, an American woman who um, had a spontaneous natural awakening, which was recognized as a genuine awakening by Yatsutani Roshi. Um, and she's one of the people that uh, Aitken Roshi spoke about as being one of the people that he learned from. Uh, in his last Tay show, he was, she was one of the people uh, he mentioned by name. And uh, she told a story in a talk she gave at Maui Zendo about a woman who lived across the street um, from the Zen Center of Los Angeles and who had mental health problems. And I'm quoting now. They had urged her to try yoga and Zen and other ways to no avail, so I was asked to talk to her. Making no promises, I went across the street to find Mary all crumpled up like a bird with a broken wing sitting at the end of a sofa in a dark apartment. Sitting down and taking her hand, I said, Mary, do you want to tell me where you are right now? She said, yes. She then told me about a bad nightmare she'd had, which she couldn't forget, where she seemed to be going down a long passageway, dark and frightening, to a room where somebody pulled her in and closed the door, and where she found herself with several threatening figures and no way out. All right, I said. Now would you like to know where I am right now? She said, yes. So I said, well, we're just going to listen to any sound that comes along. Absolutely nothing else. So we sat for quite a while, holding hands, listening very quietly, 
Then I said, now do you hear a bird cheeping? Somebody shuffling? Some music in the distance? Do you hear the car go by, a bird cheep, a little boy crying, a plane overhead? Do you see that if we keep remembering the car, we won't hear the bird? If we try to plan what's coming next, we won't hear it. If we even use the word listening or think, I'm listening, we will miss it. Nothing is ever repeated or predictable. Or the same, but all incredibly fresh if we listen this way. This is listening the way a cat listens, or sort of listening with the back of your mind, just letting it do its thing without any hesitation or interference. You can do that, can't you? Mary said yes. I said, okay then, as long as you know you can, you're home safe, right where you've always been and always will be. She gave what she had done no labels, but what she had done was to lead Mary by the hand, as it were, out of the cage of her troubling thoughts, into the natural spaciousness of mind, the natural, easy impermanence of mind, as we learn to do in Zazen. And incidentally, for people who always like to know how the story ends, uh, Mary did recover from what had been troubling her and never had to have any treatment after Gallaudet. Wilmen's comment, if you can see intimately into the essence of Zhaozhou's response, there is no Shakyamuni in the past and no Maitreya in the future. Don't get caught up in ideas of past and future. As Glenn put it during this week, stay current. (laughs) Right now, what's (coughs) this? Can you show me this? Woman's verse. Words do not convey the fact. Language is not an expedient. Attached to words, your life is lost. Blocked by phrases, you are bewildered. These words do not convey the fact, and Jiao did not say this in order to achieve some goal. You might think at times, too, that it would be so much easier if words did convey the fact. Read a book on Zen or go to a talk and hey presto. <laughs> But wouldn't you feel cheated? It would be like reading the book of your life instead of living it. If you think the answer is to be found in chewing over the words, memorizing them, thinking about them over and over again, think again. Or rather, don't think again. (laughs) 
don't think at all because that leads nowhere. And indeed, what are you hanging on to? What are you protecting with all that thinking? What are you trying to do when you think so busily? Instead, allow your breath, your body, the sound of a bird or a buzzing fly or the oak tree in the garden to think you. Thank you for your attention.